0: 5. Attention. The last thing Brick wanted to do was to rush to greet the Oaks Guard pouring into town. He was still going over his last few words to Cora, wishing to the gods, the few whose names he knew, that he'd been given the gift of elegant speech. But he was no Alderson, Son, and he had virtually no education. And compounded with the fact that Cora's mere presence paralyzed any normal thought processes, he'd only make himself look stupid and sounds senseless. He knew he should have said more. He felt something for Cora, something that the mere word friendship didn't seem to convey. But he couldn't articulate that to her. He couldn't come close. And now she'd be running back home, or to the dance, and he'd be gone in the morning when the oak left town again. Taking a somewhat roundabout path, he made his way back toward the smithy and thought about his mother nameless and faceless as always, her presence was tangible only in her absence. Though throughout his childhood he'd drawn her face in his mind a thousand ways, there was one version of his mother he preferred. A tall woman with rounded shoulders and an oval-shaped face set with cool gray eyes like his own, and curly brown hair. She was simple in his mind, but believable, and that was worth all the gems in Fenley." Try as he did, Brick could never get Jack to speak of his mother. Not a name, not an anecdote, not so much as a thoughtful smile or a precious keepsake. In the tales Cora had told him, boys without mothers always had something to remember them by. And when they were smaller, she had helped pry open the floorboards of his and his father's cottage, certain they would uncover something priceless. A locket, a painting, an heirloom. But instead, Brick simply carried his own keepsakes, in the lines of his own body. A curve of a cheek, an inherited gesture, but by and large unknown to him. Brick turned the corner and looked across the thoroughfare, toward where the smithy stood, its steep, shingled roof casting a dark shadow on the ground. But the lights were off. It was early yet for the blacksmith to have packed up shop, but even the chimney showed no sign of smoke. "'You Brick Smithson?' asked an unfamiliar voice, slightly high but unmistakably male. That's me. He had no time to respond further, though, as a strange sound to his right caught his attention. It sounded like the safety of a gun disengaging. Then something hard hit him in the back of the head, and he fell to the ground, his cheek grinding against the gravel in the road. Got him, another voice said. Good, replied the first. Then, Brick Smithson's world, Black as soot. Rick awoke gasping in pain to the acute realization that he was being shot at. In fact, considering that his left shoulder felt as if someone had removed the bones and replaced them with shards of hot glass, and that something wet had seeped across his chest, he deduced he'd already been shot. Struck dumb and blind by the pain, he hardly had the presence of mind to take in his surroundings a few painful breaths, and Brick realized the discombobulation he was experiencing at the moment was not simply a result of his injury. He was moving, in fact, being jostled about in the bottom of a wagon. He looked up through bleary eyes and squinted through torn muslin above his head, slashes through the material revealing a bright morning sky. He wondered dimly if he had died there, back in Vel, and now he was stuck in one of the hells. That chilling thought woke Brick up more fully, and he tried to make sense of the time between walking toward the smithy after the arrival of the Oaks guard and waking up here. But the pain in his shoulder did not subside. It thrummed in time with the beating of his heart, steady and constant, but accelerating. Hi, hi, hi! Someone was shouting outside, and horses neighed. More shots rang out. Clumsy without the use of his left arm and gasping against the pain, Brick searched the floor of the wagon, but found only bits of straw and some moldy bread. Looking up toward the front of the wagon, he saw a dim shadow of a driver with a big floppy hat and the outline of a long gun. Judging by the pace at which they were driving, Brick assumed the driver was trying to outrun the riders behind them. Brick started to make his way forward, balancing precariously on his knees. His lungs burned with every breath and sweat dripped into his eyes from the effort. A shadow fell over him then, like an eclipse over the sun, followed by the sound of steam being released from a tremendous valve. He paused, listening. The wagon rolled to a stop. Just as he was within arm's reach of the flap between the cargo and the front seat, a thunderous explosion ripped through the wagon, and Brick's strange new world was blown to pieces." He was flying amidst debris tearing through the roof of the wagon and for a moment he could see his own body arcing through the air like a ragged cob doll then come crashing down to the dry earth below once his face connected with rocks brush and dirt he regained his perspective and cried out instinctively rolling to try and break the fall pain coursed through his veins harsh as whiskey over an open wound he thought again of the hells and wondered if he had found the hell of earth when he realized that couldn't be right because he was on fire shh brick it's okay came a high and familiar voice followed by something slapping his legs brick just take a deep breath i'll help you i'll help you mesmer Gimble was hovering at brick's feet snuffing the flames with the pem of his duster his round eyes wide but his expression otherwise calm he was working quickly to put out the flames humming to himself The gimbal boy had a gash from forehead to chin and a bruise over one of his eyes. His thin hair was stuck to his brow with sweat and grime, and he smelled as if he'd pissed himself, which, considering the current state of things, wouldn't be surprising. Brick held up his hand to shield the sun from his face. It was setting, not rising. And then? Brick's eyes, watering from the smoke but now slightly more focused, met the girth of the airship White Wave at the horizon. She was legendary enough that even Brick knew who she belonged to—the Order of the Oak. She was more streamlined than most of the Queen's airships, according to Cora, but heavier on account of the iron-forged sides. She had two long balloons, almond-shaped and fluted, painted blue and white, unlike the red or black of the remainder of the Queen's fleet. What? Is that the White Wave? Brick managed, his tongue thick in his mouth. He choked back a scream as fire trailed his way down his back. "'Think so,' said Mesmer. "'Wait, wait,' he said, slapping Brick again on the legs. There was a pause, some more exchanged gunfire, and then the gimbal lad said, "'Fire's out.' Brick coughed, nearly retching, but managed to stop just in time. There was so much dust around him that he could see little but the blurs of passing horses and hear the calls of shouting men. His head swam suddenly as he tried to turn onto his side, and he groaned, thinking dark thoughts. The pain returned, and so complete he wished for death. Just let him kill me, he said. The yoke won't arrive in time. No, Mesmer said. Please, Brick, listen to me. It isn't like that. His voice was still calm. Brick felt Mesmer's skinny fingers on his good shoulder, nudging him, pressing him to move. Brick only moaned in response, closing his eyes, willing the pain to be over. But then the pain lessened. Brick felt a sensation like cold water dripping down through his hair and into the collar of his shirt. The pain was still there, but more distant. He shivered. We've got to move a bit. Do you think you can move now? Mesmer asked, his voice strained and eager. I can't see too well, Brick said. Keeping his eyes open in the light was intensifying his headache beyond comprehension, like someone was sticking needles behind his eyes. But he was still better than before. What did you— It's raining, Mesmer said. Mesmer put an arm around Brick's shoulder and startled. You're shot bad, though. Oh, dear. It was an understatement from the gimbal Boy, as three horses barreled toward them. They both ducked, tucking their heads in as best they could. So many horses— must be knights brick thought it made sense if the order of the oak had taken them in a way but the oak had to be fighting against someone are we still in Vell? brick asked mesmer deliriously no said mesmer with an audible sigh the riders passed and mesmer helped brick pull back against the wreckage of the wagon the driver lay across a broken wheel impaled on a plank of wood and shot a few times for good measure Blood seeped from the man's wounds, turning the ground near them black. "'Black the end of the world,' Mesmer said, shaking his head. He was staring at the dead knight, dressed in the colors of the Order of the Oak. Brick could barely hear, but as the light was waning, it wasn't so painful on his eyes. Taking a moment to glance down at his arm, he saw bright red blood flowing down into his hand like miniature rivers, pooling a moment in his palm and then dripping down his fingers— vanishing into the dry sand. He stared, transfixed. "'I found this,' Mesmer said, handing Brick a gun. "'Do you think you could shoot, if you had to?' It was not the gun his grandfather had made him, the one he'd had with him when he left cora but it would suffice. It was military issue, the metal blackened and the grip smoothed with wear. He held it up and checked the ammunition, enough for a good few shots, which was considerably better than nothing.' It would be a challenge with his right hand, but it was their only option at the moment. And having it in his hand gave Brick both a feeling of hope and surprising surge of courage. Get down, Brick said to his friend, feeling very protective of the lad. If I get a good shot, I'll shoot one of those bastards that shot me. No, no, Brick, listen to me. Don't shoot the asp guard, Mesmer cried on the verge of hysterics for the first time. The gash on the side of his face had opened up and was dripping down into his tunic. "'Who?' shouted Brick. "'The Order of the Asp came to save us, to take us away from the oak. "'What in hell's?' Conversation stilled for a moment as another rider passed them in hot pursuit. Brick could hardly make the fellow's face out, but he could swear he had a long braid. He was riding with a skill unlike Brick had ever seen, lifted high off his horse, and taking shots behind him with the ease of a circus performer.' They watched as the single rider, presumably an asp, although there was no distinctive look about him, feigned to the left and then swung around so sharply Brick was sure he'd break the legs off his horse. Then three more shots, and the two pursuing riders fell dead. One of them was being dragged off toward the west. The skilled rider held up his gun and shouted, That's the last of them! Chase him down! Chase him down! Fick it! We lost a group! Gowan! Renman! Bentley! Give me a report! Another voice answered the first. Ale just down, sir. We lost Sir Davis, and there was a pause and three more shots. Make that six oaks. No casualties on this side, but two oaks. The ship just left him for dead. They'd never made it to the dock. A pause and the thudding of hooves, and another of the knights responded in kind.
1: Thought I had a prisoner,
0: but he shot his own head off. Bastard coward killed Vern, but I couldn't count the rest of the twenty here. Gods, what feckers, said the skilled knight. "'turning his horse around swiftly. "'He lifted up his hat and stared down "'to where Brick had propped himself up "'behind the wagon debris. "'He was a she. "'Look at that,' she said, "'dismounting her horse and approaching Brick and Mesmer. "'She began to laugh, shaking her head in wonderment. "'About forty, Brick surmised. "'Her skin was the color of tanned hide, "'and her angular face was punctuated "'with a pair of dark spectacles hiding her eyes completely. "'I thought you two were blown to bits.' "'How do you reckon you he survived?' "'He's shot,' Mesmer said, standing behind Brick. "'Bad. He needs help.' And, "'And you're just cut up to shite,' replied the woman knight, wiping her brow with the palm of her hand and squinting toward them both. "'You two boys from Vell? "'Yes, ma'am,' said Mesmer. "'I, Mesmer Gimble, was taken by the Order of the Oak two nights past. "'Brick's been—well, you can see, I'm sure.' "'How'd he get shot?' another voice asked, but Brick could no longer see clearly. he tried to focus, but he was finding it impossible to stay awake. It was a strange, giddy sleepiness, almost as if he'd licked some corn liquor. Brick wanted to introduce himself and thought he ought to. Whoever this woman was, she was still a knight and a lady, and it seemed he owed her his life, what was left of it. The oak shot him, said Mesmer, when we didn't make the ship. Feckers, said the woman again. "'What's your name, then?' she asked. Brick knew he was being addressed, and Woozy tried to stand, but he only fell back as the last rays of sun shimmered away to a cool darkness, his ears still ringing with the sound of gunshots. A crackling fire and a warm breeze awoke Brickley Smithson the second time since being adopted from Belle. He stared up at the ceiling. He was in a tent and it was not moving. This was a considerable improvement over his last waking. It smelled decidedly musty, though, and a little rancid, truth be told, but it was considerably better than being holed up in a nightmare of a wagon and nearly being blown to pieces. Though his shoulder still hurt, it was no means as painful as it had been. Reaching up, he felt soft linen under his fingertips and smelled the soft tones of cactus canfor. His wound had been cleaned and wrapped. HE HARDLY HAD TIME TO PIECE TOGETHER THE LAST EVENTS HE COULD REMEMBER, MESMER GIMBLE IN THE MIDDLE OF A WAR BETWEEN THE OAK AND THE ASP, AND THE WOMAN KNIGHT, THE IMPALED OAK'S GUARD, THE WHITE WAVE IN THE DISTANCE, WHEN THE FRONT FLAP TO THE TENT OPENED UP. A MAN STOOD IN THE DOORWAY, LOOMING A MOMENT BEFORE ENTERING, AS BROAD ACROSS AS BRICK'S FATHER JACK WAS, BUT AT LEAST A HEAD TALLER. THE MAN WAS A VERITABLE GIANT. The light from the fire outside the tent was not quite enough to illuminate the man's face, but it shot through the curls on the top of his head, red like a sunset halo. "'Ah, there he is now,' the man said, his accent neither from the territories nor Queensland. He was carrying a bowl of something that smelled smoky and sweet, and a large leather flask embossed with brass rivets. He knelt down next to brick, put down the food, and then lit a small lantern." He was a handsome man, but weather-hardened, too. His eyes were large and round, accentuated by a pair of furry, fox-colored brows. A mustache, surprisingly well-kept, was trimmed just above his lips. Wide, smiling lips. His round face was both stubbled and freckled, but possessed a calm openness that Brick immediately found comforting. "'Can you sit up, lad?' the Red Giant asked. Brick nodded a little feebly, and the Red Giant put out his hand to help. Brick took the hand bigger than his own by half, and with a surprisingly tired effort, managed to prop himself up a bit. "'I've got beans, and a bit of whiskey,' said the man. Brick liked his voice. It had a lilt to it, a soft baritone. "'But I won't take it personally if you pass. Renman is a lot of things, but he's an abysmal cook.' Brick stared at the man, and the man stared back. Then he said, "'Explanations are due, I know. But first. "'How do you feel?' "'Like shite,' Brick said, before he could think what might be a more proper response. "'That's an approximate equivalent to how you look, my boy,' the man said with a chuckle. Brick watched the shadows move on the side of the tent a moment, and then asked, "'Where's Mesmer?' "'And then, who are you?' "'Mesmer is safe, just nearby. You can see him if you like. Sir Renman has taken him under his care, and I assure you he has most able hands.' the man grinned and took a swig from the flask of whiskey and i young man am sir Gawain of fenley of the order of the asp Gawain of fenley brick said shaking his head if only cora knew she always said that sir Gawain of fenley was a living legend like a hero out of the oldest tales it was rumored that he had joined up with the order of the asp but she hadn't believed it She said he'd been questing on his own, far across the continent near Ardesia, in search of his true love, a woman whose name now escaped Brick entirely. He hadn't always listened as close to Cora's stories as she thought he did. Brick started to raise his hand in greeting, but moving his shoulder caused him to gasp sharply from the pain. It'll take a bit to heal, said Gawain, his brows knit in concern for the smith's son. Take it slow. Clearing his throat, Brick asked, You're... The Gawain of Fenley?' "'So far as I know,' he replied with a calm nod and a little bit of a smile. "'Pardon my saying so, sir,' Brick said, "'but from all the songs they tell of you and Vilt, <sighs> well it's just seeing you here is a bit much.' Gowan laughed, a big, boisterous sound. "'Ah, well, bards are known for their distinct abilities to add significant ornamentation to their tails.' I suspect much of my fame, deserved or not, I do not know, simply has to do with my heritage. You see, I'm from Fenley, one of the great islands, and we suffer from a rather unseemly surplus of bards. We export them as often as we can, and I imagine a few have ended up in the territories. Well, ain't no bards I ever knew of in Vale," said Brick with a shrug. Leastways, it's good to meet you, and thanks, I, I think, though, a of the last few days? He paused, and Gowan nodded. "'It's a bit fuzzy.' "'And justly so,' replied Gowan, "'situating himself a bit more comfortably. "'The tent looked as if it could hold 2 average-sized men if needs be, "'but Gowan was by no means average-sized. "'The knight stared Brick down a moment "'as if considering his words carefully. "'Are you certain you don't need more sleep?' "'I think I'll be fine,' Brick replied, "'so long as I don't get shot again or pass out.' "'Would you like some beans?' asked Gowan. "'No, thanks.' There were low voices outside, and the occasional sound of cups clinking and spurs rattling. Someone sung a few bars of a song, and laughter ensued. Gowan took another swig from the flask of whiskey. Whiskey, at least. It'll help with the pain. All right, Brick said. The flask was cool to his touch, but the liquor burned down his throat. It cleared a path from the tip of his tongue to the bottom of his stomach, reminding him that he was indeed alive. A painful cough followed, but he could already feel the beginnings of the alcohol working on him, tingling his lips. "'Well, let's start at the beginning, shall we?' Gowan said, leaning back on the tent post and putting his hands behind his head. "'We got wind of the oak coming through the territories a few weeks back, and we have been following them, trailing them, trying to figure out what it was they were up to. We're border knights, as you probably know. It's our job to know their business. At any rate— They'd done gone through a few towns peacefully enough before we understood what was going on. They've been taking Alder Daughters and carting them north, meeting up with royal airships at points along the Queen's Way, and in the meantime recruiting any able bodied lads they could find. Taking Alder Daughters? Brick asked, thinking of the Gray Girls. Why do you wreck? That I'm afraid we don't know. Now, Most towns willingly gave over their girls, and believe you me, when the oak comes knocking at your door, they make a considerable case, so that wasn't entirely surprising. He paused, reaching again for the whiskey, then stopped, as if he thought better of it. He sighed then, rubbing his hands down his face. Then came Vel, and everything changed. We were a few turns behind them, making sure they weren't aware we were following them, but we came about too late. They just "'swept through Vel. "'What do you mean?' Brick asked, fear washing over him. "'What happened in Vell? "'Gowan's merry face had gone rather ashen, "'his eyes wide, staring at his hands. "'Aye, we were too late,' he said, shaking his head. "'By the time we got there, all the girls were gone, "'and it seemed the townsfolk had put up a considerable fight. "'How much of a fight?' Brick asked, his voice barely a whisper. There were a handful of survivors most too shocked and frightened to give us a straight story half of the town was right burned to the ground hardly more than ashes did you see my father the smith was he alive gowan winced no lad no your father was one of them that stood up that much we knew he helped the townsfolk by supplying them weapons for a time Mr. Tookson, the tailor, had presence of mind to tell us at least that much. But he was gone by the time we got there. The smithy was scarcely more than coal and cinders. Gods, Brick said, strangely bereft of tears. But there was pain still there, even more pronounced than the shot to the shoulder. His father, lost forever. Gods, was all he could think to say. He fought to the end, Brick. You should know. He wouldn't let the oak take him without a fight, said the knight softly. You'd honor his memory to remember that. Brick could not find the right words. He and his father had not been close, not in the way that some lads were with their fathers. Theirs was a relationship of mutual respect and necessity. Brick was both a son and an apprentice, relied and expected to do his work. Brick could scarcely remember kind words from his father, though— He had always strived to challenge him. Maybe the affection was there, and the way he understood his son's abilities and helped to temper them accordingly. For the moment, Brick suppressed the cold, sharp pain of his father's loss. And the rest? I had a friend, a girl named Cora, and she had a sister, Denna. Brick looked expectantly into the red haired knight's face, but he only shook his head. Alder daughters? Gowan asked, his voice tinged with a bit of surprise. "Yeah, the daughters of the aldermen, actually." Gowan swallowed, shaking his head. From our count, all were taken. At least none were left that we could find. Most were still being loaded into wagons. Most, Brick wanted to believe that Cora had escaped, but his heart told him otherwise. Gowan paused, clearly unsettled to be delivering such news. I can't give you all the details now, but Tuxen seemed to think that some of the girls got away. Where to he wasn't sure. The knight cleared his throat and continued. We tried to run the oak down, but they had the advantage. When we finally caught up, three-quarters of them had made it to the rendezvous with the white wave. Your cart and about twenty other knights were left behind a purpose, mind you, so not to put the ship in peril. They rode out to meet us, keeping us out of shooting range to the airship, and died in the process. When they knew they'd lose, they shot you in the shoulder. But why? Why would they do that? Professor said they were supposed to recruit me. Gowan frowned, pulling at his mustache with his forefinger and thumb. I don't rightly know, lad, he said, his voice low. But we think it has to do with your trade. Blacksmith, right? Brick nodded, still too shocked to form his thoughts into coherent sentences. Professor no doubt taught you well, Gowan said, and your father too you know, Professor? Professor's the one who designed half the Queen's monstrous machines," Gowan said, waving his hands across his face as if to dismiss the memory altogether, as Brick's mouth fell open in shock. But she's had good intentions. Professor did. That's another story like to take turns to tell. He drew a black cigar from his pocket and bit off the end, spitting it aside. Then he retrieved a silver lighter and put the flame to the cigar. Immediately, the sweet scent of Sigley leaf filled the tent, both fragrant and harsh. "'But you see, when Professor found out the oak were courting you, she wrote to us, hoping we could make time to Vel and put in a better offer to your father. But I suspect the letters were being intercepted. No, I know they were. The oak always have their hands in that sort of thing anyway, and they wanted you for themselves. Or not at all, if you understand.' "'I don't,' Brick said honestly.' well, they figured shooting you in the arm, leaving you to us, knowing we wouldn't outright kill like that, as a potentially ruined blacksmith was worth the effort. If they couldn't have you, no one would. How can they have done it? They're queen's knights. I wish I knew the answer, Gowan said as he grimaced and patted Brick gently on his good shoulder. The smith's boy shook him off. I'll leave you to your thoughts a bit. When you're ready you can come out and we can have a chat about the asp and what we might be able to give to you replied the knight brick did not watch him go but instead lay back down on the pillows and stared at the side of the tent flap if he had had the strength in his arms he would have torn the tent down to its stakes but he was too exhausted and he was now shaking with the effort of repressing his emotion he thought he should be crying for his father for cora for vel but instead he just felt a growing emptiness in his stomach, cold and unforgiving, aching and constant. He sat alone, unsleeping, with his dark thoughts for a turn or two. He watched the firelight flicker against the muslin tent, trace the shapes of figures on the other side of the wall, and wished he could fall asleep and forget. Just as he had slipped to the edges of sleep, he was interrupted again it was the woman rider he'd seen and mistaken for a man during the scuffle and she brought with her the smell of dust and fire her hair was loose now worn in the fashion of a sodoran woman with plates here and there accented with a few feathers and beads but he didn't think she was a Sodorin, at least not akin to the short dark-haired ones he'd seen once or twice moving through the territories her features were narrowed and though here her skin was tanned, it lacked the distinct golden quality of a sodorin. She watched him amusedly over her round, shaded spectacles. "'Well, you look a little worse for wear,' she said, her mouth widening in a kind of smile, her leathery skin deepening with wrinkles. She had very large teeth, which all things considering, is impressive. "'You're the blacksmith's boy, right?' She paused and said, "'I'm Sally Din.' "'Yeah,' Brick said. He winced as Sir Din reached forward and put her hand under his chin, looking him in the face. How'd you tell? Sir Din let go of Brick and leaned back on her haunches, her leather breeches creaking. He guessed she'd be taller than him if she stood. She pointed to his hands. you still got soot on your fingertips, and I've had work done by your father before. Saw you when you were nigh three or four years back. I imagine Gowan explained some of the situation, she said, clicking her tongue as if calling a horse to her he told me about Vale and my father if that's what you mean said Brick his stomach still a cold knot the permeating feeling of nausea had not relented do you recall the order of the oak given any reason for being in Vale?" asked Sir Din she tilted her head an expectant look on her face they were supposed to be in town for Bloomin Day dance no one expected nothing more than that Brick replied and professor said they wanted to recruit me as a gunsmith that was all Sir Din didn't laugh, though he thought she might. Then he realized she was just grimacing. She began picking at her teeth with her nail. She was silent for a while, watching Brick over her strange, dark spectacles. "'Well, you're among better folk now. This is the Order of the Asp, and you're in luck. Sir Gowan's page got shot dead in that last scuffle, and he and Renman seemed to think that you and that scrawny little pile of bones you brought in with you are meant to join our ranks.' though I don't fall into their line of mumbo-jumbo I'm still of a mind to agree with them if the Oak went for that far out of their way to recruit you two from under our noses and if Professor thought you worthy to train well, we'll have you if you prove your middle that is middle? if you prove your worth, I mean Surgeon explained we've no particular reason to trust you but if the Order of the Oak was searching you out chances are you're worth something to them which means you're worth more to us all the hell's broken loose among the orders Brick, war's on the wind and it's time to choose sides though I doubt you've got much time to think about that no I guess I don't well right now we're the only friends you got but professor, my father Brick asked hating the pleading note in his voice Pass is past she said standing I promise you If we can, we'll get revenge for every last soul they killed. Either you join with us and have help in doing so, or you go to your end yourself. I'd say you've got much more of a chance with us, but that's just me. She opened the tent flap and said, So? Brick took a deep breath, willing the faces of his friends from his mind a moment. I'll consider it, but I was hoping to get back to Vale first. Maybe I can find something... Sir Din frowned. We saw all we needed. The oaks guard have been through their brick. There ain't no vel to return to <music> a turn or so later, and Brick finally managed to summon enough courage and strength to stand on his own and exit the tent. He wrapped the long wool blanket he'd been brooding in around his shoulders and with some effort managed to get his boots on, though tying them would have to wait. He paused a moment at the flap of the tent, unprepared to face the knights of the Asp, his stomach still sick with the thought of what had happened in Vel, and what had happened to his father. He hadn't been prepared for so many faces, though, so many people. With the exception of Sir Gowan, who seemed to adhere to a slightly more refined sense of Sir Valric's style, the rest of the Asp were indistinguishable from farmers or cattle thieves. Crowded around four different fires, their tents rustling in the prairie wind, Brick counted thirty-two knights in total, though a good third of them had to have been pages from their youthful faces. "'Welcome to the Asp!' said a booting voice to his left. He looked to see Sir Gawain standing with his massive arms across his chest. "'I'll give you quick introductions.' Mesmer was sitting next to a sallow-faced stick of a man Gawain introduced as Sir Wenman, and two other knights, Sir Benson and Sir Gresham, There was fat Sir Montal, short and bearded Sir Hestian, and, of course, Sir Din and her page, a young, squinty fellow named Helter. Others in attendance Brick caught only by name, for their faces were too obscured with shadow and flame from the rest. Sir Aesop, Sir Jesco, Sir Venere, Sir Zorva, Sir Kelper, Sir Wellerun, Sir Sulus, Sir Ristera, Sir Fusco, and Sir Hurl, who Brick thought might have been another woman. To the pages there were plenty of territory first names. George, Anderson, Kyle, Connor, James, Joseph, Stephen, Philip, Uri, and a few others he didn't think he caught. Sir Gowan showed him to a spot near the fire, and saw to it that he had a cupful of beans to eat. They certainly weren't much better than what his father cooked, but had a bit more spice to them. The heat warmed him from the inside out. As he listened to the stories and songs weaving about him, Gowen leaned over. Need anything? Right now, said Brick, closing his eyes. I think I just want to listen. This is Natanya over at aldersgatecycle.com. Thanks so much for listening.